There's something about Germany, why I made a curator's pick of the Hollywood fringe. What is going on? What is going on? Hashtag TFR Podcast Live OB. That is what's going on. What's going on, people? Welcome to another great episode of Hashtag TFR Podcast Live presents Observations with Yours Truly by Crazy D featuring my special guest host who's a little winded moving back and forth to get here. We can hear her winded to get back and forth to get in front of the camera. My special guest host, my sister Tanya M. Congress. How you doing this morning? Let's see how the mic sounds. Go for it. I am doing wonderful this morning. And y'all, let me give you a little backdrop, a little explanation as to why I'm winded. See, I'm one of these people. I'm one of these people. It seems like, and I don't particularly like this about myself, but it it it, it serves me well. I'm one of them people that operates better under pressure. So it seems like when there is no pressure, I make pressure. <laughs> you know, equally. It's the same way um, when I was in school, the easy things, the easy equations were hard and the harder equations was easy. So whatever that is, it works for me. But I'm, I, I question, I asked God, I said, you know, why am I created flying by the seat of my pants? And my, my father had used a term one time when he was referencing to something totally different. He said, uh, you should have a TV series called Flying by the Seat of Your Pants, subtitled A Glutton for Punishment. Even though he was re- using that to <laughs> refer to something else, that was the funniest thing. It was the funniest thing, one of the funniest things I had ever heard. And I laughed so hard, I almost, used, I almost peed on myself. I laughed so hard when he said that because it was funny because of the truth of it. And in this particular application, it's just as true. It's like, what um, as intelligent and as forward thinking and as effective as I am in so many different areas, why do I continue to perpetually put myself under this pressure where I'm running around? Now, I was up in plenty of time. I don't have to do a full face anymore because I only do minimum things to my face. I I was had my clothes on and everything, but now getting coffee and tea and going to the refrigerator to get a nectarine, uh, and, and, and lighting my candles here was all last minute. It could have been done before then, but I had to create a situation. So that's where I'm at this morning, y'all. That's where I'm at most mornings. <laughs> but all in all, I'm doing good. How you doing this morning, D? Hey, I'm doing as well as can be expected under the circumstances. First of all, we want to shout out. We have the full gang all back together again. We're streaming live. We are simulcasting live on Periscope. Want to say good morning to you. We are simulcasting on Vimeo. Want to say good morning to you. 
We are simulcasting on FB. We want to say good morning to you. And of course, without any delay, because we knocked out all the kinks, all the problems, found out what it was, had to do some research. We are on the Film Review Life channel on YouTube. Make sure you go there and you subscribe. Subscribe, 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 subscribe. Press like. <clears throat> Press like on this video already and share it on all the platforms. Share it to all your people. Tag it in because, do we have a show for you today. Do you know what miscegenation is? Do you know what miscegenation is? The reality of miscegenation, knowing the past. That's what it is. Hashtag TFR Podcast Live, episode 32. Miscegenation, right? So let, let's go through the description real quick so that we can get the show under the way without any further ado. Listen, from voting rights to first, the 13th, then the 14th and 15th amendments to the Constitution, to behind closed door deals to 1877 to 1890 and Plessy versus Ferguson linked to Dred Scott decision, linked to the Dred Scott decision of 1857, American blacks continue to fight a great fight with, however, with those among, uh, amongst us who don't read to know his story with people being distracted by a fly, not knowing the true cost of miscegenation we might be in the thralls or the throes of repeating our struggles over, which is truly a stark reminder. History is what you know of the past stops you from repeating the past. Let's discuss. The phone lines are open 213-943-3358. 3358. Okay. So first of all, before we get started, let's just put this up. And then I'm gonna have you go at this. Right? This right here has seemed to become people's best friend since the VP debate last night, right? The vice presidential debate last night. This has become everyone's friend. Now, when did pestilence become our friend? But for some reason, people are distracted by a fly. By a fly, instead of looking at what was happening in the content. So, what do you have to say about that? I would think it depends on what mind frame the people were in um, when they focused on the fly because from um, a religious standpoint, flies are indicative of, it says that flies, uh, they decay and make an, a stench in the apothecary. Mm -hmm. 
So where the oil uh, is supposed to be pure and clean, the fly lands in the apothecary. It gets stuck. It dies and then it decays there, causing a stench there. So my first mind, when you you told me about that, because I didn't see the fly and I had to log out of it, out of the debate about 1030. So I didn't see the fly. And so my my first thought was that they were saying that the fly was was uh, landing on him and staying on him because he was dead or because there was some kind of, of stench there that attracted them. So that was my, my thoughts on that. But in any event, um, I have never seen the level of disrespect that I, I've seen with this president and vice president. And yeah, true, you can have your opinion you know that's all up to you you're free you're free well you're uh, free to some degree um, moral agents so you could just think what you want to think but it's just uh, at some point just because you're you're able to do things because you want to do them all things are lawful but all things are not expedient it may be lawful in the fact that you won't go to jail for it but it may not be expedient in the overall process of things that are going on so yeah i mean to be distracted by that and to make a whole meme about it it's just another dig at that administration and it's really silly it just is it is a silly situation because Nothing positive is going to come from from that because it's a distraction. It's not about facts. It's not about facts. It's not about figures. It's not about anything. It's just one big distraction. 213-943-3358. We have to start with distraction this morning because there is a lot of distraction that moves you from what is actually going on now here's another one you know everyone is concerned with what's happening with the various platforms and the various laws that are being passed and so this leads to the rubber hitting the road so make sure you smash the share button because we are bringing memes up that lead into what we're talking about today now this one is one that is very important to anyone who is broadcasting or streaming, right? AI is studying your patterns through algorithms and psychological manipulation. AI is studying your patterns through analytics, your algorithms, and psychological manipulation right so when you're looking that's why we bring these memes up to let you know you know there's a method method to our madness we're deciphering and breaking down these memes because these memes are meant to manipulate you and you really <laughs> don't know really where they're coming from where the person that you may be trusting of may have found it and put it up and where it's actually coming from, right? But AI is studying your patterns through algorithms and psychological manipulation. What you got to say to that? 
Well, AI, for those who don't know, is artificial intelligence is saying, let's break this down. Artificial intelligence is studying. Stop there. Your patterns through algorithms. Stop there. And psychological manipulation. Let's read that again. AI is studying your patterns through algorithms and psychological manipulation. Well, AI is a program. So it's being programmed. So it is uh, is a program. So when you read that, AI can't be studying, but AI is studying your patterns through algorithms. So basically through algorithms, your patterns are being imprinted to AI. And through psychological manipulation within this statement itself, you will go and repeat that and say, oh, AI, artificial intelligence is taking over. It's studying me uh, through, well, AI is not able to study you. AI is a program. So it's the algorithms, the study of your algorithms by man being implanted into AI to cause the program to operate. And the statement and statements like these are very manipulated manipulable in themselves manipulatable because they have you thinking if you just read that for for what is how it's printed and not think about what ai is what algorithms are and what psychological psychological manipulation is you read that a whole nother way so that is a fear mongering statement it's a fear mongering statement so i'm looking at it and i'm like that's why you shouldn't uh, let yourselves, your patterns be imprintable. That's why you should always switch things up. That's why you should never be able to let a person track you and tell you and be able to uh, just have their thumb on you. Like, oh yeah, I, I know how they do things. I know their patterns. Don't operate in patterns. Always switch up. You might could do the same pattern 10 times and one time just change one chink in it. And that makes it a different pattern. So that messes up the whole thing. I like these type of th games, actually. I like these psychological games. <laughs> I, I like them because I think they're clever. They're funny. But yeah, that's what I think about that meme right there. See, what, what happens is people are in fear that AI will no longer be artificial intelligence, but go conscious. And when it goes conscious, it'll be like Skynet and Terminator, and they'll be producing these things and say, why do we need you? I, robot, why do we need you? Why do we need to protect you from yourself when we can wipe you out and have this and we don't need to use the planet as much? You see what I'm saying? So when you look right. at things like this, because bots are controlling certain social media platforms, because they tell mm -hmm. you, oh, because of this and that, because of COVID, it may be a little lower, be a little slower. And so you have to be able to be able to have your phrase phraseology correctly. So the bot will release or you will be sitting up in jail, as some people like to call it, in a certain uh, platforms, jail. Right. OK, so here we go. Here's another algorithm. This is from the series called Pose. It's a still, and I, I'm not really too sure. I, we watch Pose, my wife and I, we review Pose. It's uh, based off of Paris is Burning, the movie that came out in 91, 92, and the same characters. But for one thing, 
there is not a great outcome that comes to many of the characters that it is based on, many of the real life people that it is based on, which is Paris is burning, their lives really didn't pan out. So for this to be used, and to be used to hear this woman is, she is a not a black woman by birth. I will say it like that. I'm gonna start creating my own language here. Not a black woman by birth, right? And she's being compared to Kamala Harris and then the other Caucasian character, which I don't even remember this scene. It must have been insignificant. It's supposed to be compared to Mike Pence. So automatically she's drinking wine, which is not a great indicator of anything good. Smash the share button, smash the <laughs> like button. Right, so it, it it's it's really weird. It's really a weird comparison. It doesn't make sense of what was happening at the debate the other night, right? Okay. All right, people. We're getting ready to start to get this to hit the road. Okay. So we heard that. So let's go to another meme that has to do with the debate, right? Now this, now this right here. I, I personally, see I don't have any hunt, no, no dog in the hunt, or I don't have any dog in the chase in the hunt because no reparations, no vote. We already said it, no reparations, no vote, right? But here's something about the vaccine. Now everyone is gonna potentially have to take the, have to, mandatory, right? Here's Kamala Harris at the debate saying, if Donald Trump tells us to take a vaccine, I'm not taking it. If Donald Trump tells us to take a vaccine, I'm not taking it. For one thing, Donald Trump wouldn't be telling you to take the vaccine unless the doctors and the scientists had went through phase three trials and phase four, whatever they need to go through, and said that it was safe, quote unquote safe, quote unquote safe enough for people to take, because some people were gonna die. I mean, we, we know that just from the history of vaccines before. So we know some, uh, you know, people's metabolics and the way their system is made up, they may not be able to take it even though it's categorized as safe, right? For her to say that is putting distrust in the situation and it's childish. If Donald Trump tells us to take a vaccine, I'm not taking it. You're lying to the people because the doctors, the scientists had to say that it was reasonably 70% to 85% safe. That's all that most medications or vaccines are in the first place. What do you have to say to that? I thought that was the stupidest thing <laughs> that I had heard. I think that was, if we came up with a top 10 list of her most retarded comments and let me uh, not to be offensive to anyone this this has family members or anything this, this uh, suffering from retardation, but that was the most inept uh, things that I heard her say last night. And we put that on the top 10 or the top five. 
if Donald Trump tells us to take a vaccine, I mean, listen to what she said. She says, if the doctor tells us to take the vaccine, I'll take it. But if Donald Trump tells us, tells me to take the vaccine, I'm not going to take it. Well, he's not going to tell you, like D just said, he's not going to tell you to take a vaccine that the doctors haven't released. So it was very childish. It didn't need to be said. And it was, it was like one of those digs. It was caddy is what it was. It was caddy, cattiness, which is something I just can't stand. That's on, that's in my top two list of things I can't stand is cattiness. So it was very caddy. And then she looks over at, at Pence when she says, I'm not going to take it. Then she's got this smug look. Well, big deal. It, then you just won't have a vaccine. Everybody else. I mean, I'm not. See, for me, it's not it's a, a <laughs> it's not an issue, but you gonna have to take the vaccine. If you're going to take it, you may as well take it no matter who says it. And to say that statement was completely uncalled for. It was silly. Aikida, who is uh, writing comments on the YouTube, because the YouTube is there, the Film Review Life channel, smash the share button, feel free to comment, and share, share, share this on all the platforms, tag your people in it, let them know, because we are dropping information. Misogynation, miscegenation, miscegenation, what is it, right? So... Aikida Gardner says, I don't blame her. Vaccine, vaccines are full of crap. It's not about Trump, it's about the vaccine. Doctors are killing people, she says. We should take our health into our own hands with a, uh, with a uh, icon of a flower or plants. Old school, she says, right? Now, Miscegenation. Make sure you smash the share button. Smash the share button. 213-943-3358. The reality of miscegenation. Knowing the past. This is episode 32 of Hashtag TFR Podcast Live OB. Here's another meme that was very interesting. Speaking of Kamala Harris. Speaking of Kamala Harris. The masters of Western civilization have perfected every skill from selling the Negro to selling to the Negro. Anybody think this is any coincidence? The masters of Western civilization have perfected every skill from selling the Negro to selling to the Negro. Anybody think that this is any coincidence. Okay, so where does this what what do we mean by this? What do we mean by selling? Now we've been talking this week about 1877 and all things that correlate to 1877. Now, here's another comment from Kamula I call her Kamula because to me she's Indian. She's not American black. But people call her Kamala or Kamala, right? Now, just so you know, when we say in debt, 
it means you owe somebody some money. From the president, vice presidential debate, from the Democrat vice presidential candidate, Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris, as you like to call her, right? Just so you know, when we say it, it say in debt, it means you owe somebody some money. Now that would have been good and, and BET, you know, BET is nothing but full of now people who put, like when you watch the BET memes that come across on, on your Instagram or your Facebook, it's all about immigrants. It's all about black immigrants doing their black immigrant dances. That's cool. But BET, black entertainment television it is no longer exclusive exclusively about American black culture, which is the problem. So them putting this up, now if she had been talking about reparations, just so you know when we say in debt, it means you owe something, somebody, something, like some restorative justice, some money, baby, right? Now, as we get ready to take this and hit the rubber to the Wait road. Let me say that one, something to that one real quick. Okay, go ahead. Uh, what these people fail to understand is that he has several corporations. So when it says, this is what you have to understand about the corporation. So not only is a corporation a legally chartered entity, it's also considered a legal person. It's considered a person, just like me and you. It has its own social security number, which is its corporate charter number. So when you say that Donald Trump owes, the reason why a person or that has corporations, the corporations stand alone as themselves as legal entities. Basically, he is the overseer or the owner of the corporation, but on paper, it protects him. So to say that he owes anything when most of his assets and everything is under the corporation, by law, it's the corporation that may owe, not him. It's the corporation that owes. So the corporation's assets, the corporation, the money that's within the corporation is what owes, not him as a person. So to keep shining the light on that is ignorant. It means that you don't understand or you know that the American people in general don't understand the structure of corporations. You're a lawyer, an attorney. You know what corporations is. You know corporations is a legal person. Donald Trump don't probably... Donald Trump, just what Pence said. He probably owed... Donald Trump in his name probably owed 700 and, and whatever Pence said he owed in his name. Everything else is under corporations. That's so idiot, idiotic. I'm glad you said that, right? But you know what this is? You know what that is? You know what her doing that is? That is a distraction. What, mm -hmm. what did they say in debate about anything about American black people and reparations? Nothing. What did they say about one thing about American black people about reparations. She got on this emotional hamster wheel 
and started talking about, oh, this is a Donald Trump said this, Donald Trump said that, oh, and to have someone in the presidency. That doesn't hold water to what we are talking about. We're talking about reparations, all that, all the emo emotional stuff. We know what's going on. They started talking about the Supreme Court justice, just touched on it just a little bit. Did you go research what the RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the last votes that she had that went against American Blacks? Hmm? Did you go research? So, so when we're talking about it, and we're going to get into some Supreme Court today, so smash the share button. Smash the share button because... We're going to get into some, some Supreme Court today. Miscegenation, misogynation, what is it, right? Let's go to the next meeting here. Now, as we go through and we come here, we already said the masters, all that, and we said that we said that. Now, let's go to some definitions. Time to have the rubber hit the road, right? time for misogynation. It kind of sounds like misogyny, right? But it's miscegenation. Misogynation, right? So here we go. Definition. Definition. Misogynation. The interbreeding of people considered to be of different racial types. Miscegenation. The interbreeding of people considered to be of different racial types. Plessy versus Ferguson, 1896. Now, what does Plessy versus Ferguson have to do with the interbreeding of people considered to be of different racial types? What does that have to do? Well, let's read through. Separate but equal was a landmark decision of the U.S. Supreme Court that upheld the constitutionality of racial segregation laws for public facilities as long as the segregated facilities were equal in quality. Okay? So that's Plessy versus Ferguson. The Dred Scott versus Stanford 1857, right? So we're going back, we're going back a ways, right? We're going back, we're going about, about about 42 years. We're going back 42 years because these two uh, Supreme Court, US Supreme Court decisions all have to do with things that happened in between like 1877. So let's go through was a landmark decision in which the Supreme Court of the United States held that American blacks, regardless of whether they were enslaved or free, could not be considered citizens of the United States within the meaning of the U.S. Constitution. That is Dred Scott. That's usually what we call the Dred Scott decision, right? Smash the share button, smash the like button.
So make sure that you have your tablets out, your pads, and then you can come back and freeze frame this and go back through it. Okay, so look, here's the next definition. You know, often we hear these words and we say, what do they mean? Like, it, it, you know, I usually ask, what do they mean? What does landmark decision mean? Legal definition. It's a noun. A decision that is notable and often cited because it significantly, significantly changes, consolidates, updates, or effectively summarizes the law on a particular topic. That's what a landmark decision is. So what's a landmark? An object such as a strong, uh, such as a stone or tree that marks the boundary of land. Secondary, right? A conspicuous object on land that marks a locality. To be an atomical and anatomical structure used as a point of or orientation in locating other structures, right? What is a demarcation point? What is the difference between a landmark and a demarcation point, right? Which we use the word demarcation point more in on the show on more of a law situation, but what it means in business is the physical point where the public network ends and the private network of a customer begins. What is a DMARC? It determines who owns the hardware and usually its problems on either side, right? So remember what a DMARC is. It determines who owns the hardware. A demarcation point is the physical point where the public network ends and the private network of a customer begins. Now, using that as an example, which this is an example that has a different word, but they will tell you that if anything happens and someone comes into your house, I wouldn't, I'm not suggesting this. This is just what's been said, but we wouldn't suggest we're not giving this as a suggestion this is not our suggestion we're just giving observation and opinion they say if someone comes in and breaks in your house make sure that they are in your house because if they are outside your house when you drop them you most likely are going to prison because you have no domain outside your house though you cut the line etc etc so if someone breaks into your house, the demarcation point, what is public and what is private. What is public, what is private. Demarcation point, the demark. Where, who owns the hardware? Who owns the outside, who owns the inside? That's how we use it here. Just giving you an example. Let's move on. Now, let's bring this one up. Very important, very important definitions here, right? We hear this all the time, but we 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 never we never really break down what it means because people are slick with their phraseology. Now we talked about phraseology 
when we broke down the AG's, uh, Donald Cameron's uh, breakdown of what happened with Breonna Taylor. So go back and watch that episode. We're not going to go into full definition of that. But the phraseology that people use is slick. And you have to understand and know what you're reading, right? Country. And indefinite, usually extended expanse of land, region, miles of open, quote unquote, country. An example of the country is farmlands in Iowa. Now remember that, remember, remember the phrase, the country, right? The country, very important to remember that. The land of a person's secondary, uh, the land of a person's birth, residence, or citizenship uh, left their country for America. Now, they really say that in the, in the definition. They say they left their country to come to America. Wow, they are really pushing for the immigrant, even in these definitions. Okay, third, a political state or nation or its territories, the country of Italy, right? So, a country is defined as a nation, the people of the nation, or land in a rural area. An example, again, of a country is the United States. An example of, again, the country is farmlands in Iowa, right? So, this is very important. Mark this down. This is very, 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 very important. So when people write or say, like we talked about Candace Owens and her whole stick is that the country is not racist, that United States, the country is not racist. Okay, so let's go through this. So when people write or say the country isn't racist, that's true. I'm telling you, I'm looking, you write your camera, that is true. Farmland isn't racist. Now, what is the land? One more time. The land, the land is farmland. Example in Iowa. Now, so when people write or say the country isn't racist, that's true. Farmland isn't racist, but a, a country that allows discrimination like the United States, a country, a country like that, it is racist, but trying to repair. Are they really trying to repair? So when you're talking about a country, you are talking about the people within a country. So the country, of course, the country, the farmland, the land isn't racist, but the people who make up a country who made the trees bleed due to strange fruit who soiled, who fertilized the land with people's blood. Well, the people, they make up a, a country, 
are racist. So no, the country. So when they tell you the country, you say, that's right, you're right. Let, let me let me bring this down so you can see me clearly. That's right. The country is not racist because it's nothing but trees, shrubs, bushes, dirt roads, paved roads, but the people of a country that are of a country who use those same trees, bushes, grass, dirt roads, paved roads to drag people around behind them in pickup trucks or hang them, lynch them. Well, those people representing a country are racist. So that type of country is racist. But the country, no, the country, you know, the country, you go down south, you you you're listening, you're you're hearing the birds chirp, the water is running the Mississippi, but the people of a country, if you drain the Mississippi, you will find bones and dead people and so we have to know definition right so this is leading into this right here this is very important right so we've been talking for the last few days about about the different mind states of what makes people post before 1877 and then post-1877 and what we as American Blacks have been going through. And I can guarantee you, bottom line, that people like, in my opinion, just my observation, that people like Candace Owens does, do not know what we just put down in definition because they wouldn't have anything for it. They wouldn't have anything for it. The last few words that we put down, they would not have anything for it, they would have to almost say, you know, we have to be for American black and not for any side, right? Now look, designer of the Confederate flag, William T. Thompson, as of, this is his thoughts on it. As a people, we are fighting to maintain the heaven ordained supremacy of the white man over the inferior or colored race. This is what these people believe. Now, there is no way of cutting that. There's no other way of cutting that and there's no other way of saying, hey, you know, hey, you know, the the Republicans are good because such, such, such. They can't be good because they said that they would, that the Dixiecrats would, the Democrats would never take the South again because of Johnson signing the Civil Rights Act of 64, 65, and 68. As a national emblem, it, the Confederate flag, is significant of our higher cause, the cause of a superior race, right? So this is what the Confederate flag stands for, right? Which gets us to hitting the rubber. 
to the road. Because we have another presentation. Are you ready, people? You know, we always bring these <laughs> presentations every day. And we bring a lot of information in it, right? Because, you know, sometimes people are visual and they don't necessarily want to be necessarily reading books, right? So we talked about Plessy versus Ferguson. So we're going to go through this. We're going to go through and we're going to talk about Plessy versus Ferguson. And of course, again, this has been edited up by yours truly, you know, to put this across. So we're going to talk about this. So what does this have to do with the reality of miscegenation? Miscegenation. If you want to be nasty, miscegenation. It sounds nasty. Doesn't miscegenation sounds nasty? If you want to be nasty, it all depends on how you want to pronounce the word. Miscegenation, the mongrel race, right? Doesn't that sound nasty? It does sound nasty. And it sounds like it's nasty in two different ways. One of them being perversion. Just miscegenation, miscegenation. Uh, well, you know, I'm looking at words and I'm one of these people like I look at, I break the words apart. So you see miscellaneous in there in my SC. You see uh, uh, the other EGE that actually does have a meaning. Um, it is actually Aegean, which is a scale in the music and then nation. So it is a, a what's considered a perfect scale. So miscellaneous perfect scale in a nation. I mean, we could throw it together like that. It's a whole we could break things down a whole bunch of different ways with that. But it does sound the sound of it sounds harsh. It sounds abrasive. It sounds real abrasive. Now see, we've told you that words are spells. And you see, my sister took that word and broke it down and gave it a better meaning. A better meaning that is positive towards <clears throat> American blacks and their ability to spread their seed and make what they spread their seed to be more like them than the original that they spread the seed to. So miscegenation. And what did you say one more time when you broke the definition down, the perfect scale in a nation? Say that again. It's, uh, it's miscellaneous. So the word miscellaneous is in that word. Then E-G-E means Aegean, which is a scale in music that's considered a perfect scale. And then a nation. Nation was the last word. So perfecting nation is miscellaneous. Why is it miscellaneous? You don't want to give it a label uh, because once it mixes in, it's no longer whatever it mixes in with is no longer that. It's no longer that. So you got to rename it. A miscellaneous perfect scale in a nation. Let that sit for a minute. Take miscegenation and when you use it probably with a hashtag on your t-shirt. Miscegenation. Use it proudly and break it down. A miscellaneous perfect scale in a nation. Could that be a perfect scale of justice that uh -oh. the miscegenation of the two coming together weigh and give judgment upon 
what it is and says that this is what should come forth. Miscegenation. We gave the definition of miscegenation, but we just created a new definition moving forward to the word miscegenation, right? Spread that, spread that, hashtag miscegenation, what it means. Yeah, so here we go. Let's get this started. Let's get this started. So let's talk, let's talk about Plessy versus Ferguson and what it is. And so get ready, get set, go. The Plessy versus Ferguson case originated with Louisiana's infamous Separate Car Act of 1890. In 1892, Homer Plessy took a trip. He bought a first-class ticket, got onto the train, and settled in one of the coaches. The conductor told Plessy to move to a different coach, but he refused. So Plessy was thrown off the train and into a jail cell. Under an 1890 state law, railways within Louisiana were required to have, quote, equal but separate, unquote, coaches for black and white passengers. Anyone refusing to sit in the assigned coach could be fined $25 or imprisoned for up to 20 days. As a U.S. citizen who was seven-eighths white and one-eighth black, Plessy argued that he was white and deserved to sit in the coach reserved for white passengers. The Separate Car Act required African-Americans and whites to sit in segregated compartments on public carriers in Louisiana. However, Okay, so let me, let me pause that for a minute. Let me pause that for a minute. Now, I'm going to back it up just a little bit because we need to hear the brother speaking right as he breaks it down, right? But remember what they said. Plessy said that he was seven-eighths white. And he said that he, I'm just gonna put it in my words, he deserved to sit there because he is white. Now, when they, they often rattle off Plessy versus Ferguson, Plessy versus Ferguson, but they don't because they don't go into detail about who Plessy was because they think that you won't be able to be nuanced. We gave that definition of what that is. Look up nuance again and give them the definition again so they know what I'm saying. They won't think that you will be nuanced or be able to use nuance to realize that even though Plessy was not, Plessy was not actually fighting for a black cause. He was not fighting for American blacks. He, he doesn't come from that culture. There's something called Cane River that we're gonna get into. Smash the share button and the like button. He really doesn't come from that culture. That's not what he was talking about. But because they, there are people who are like the Thompson dude who designed the civil, the battle flag, the Confederate flag, because there are people like that, they, don't like miscegenation and they don't like anything that isn't totally Caucasian. It has to be white, 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 white. That, that fictitious form, but because they're using it, we've got to go full steam ahead. It's uh, white, 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 white. It's gotta be white. And so he was not fighting a black cause. 
And so when people, the American black cause in particular, he was not fighting that because he didn't come from that culture, though he would be categorized as black by one drop rule, we'll do that on another show. But because he would do that, white saw him as not a Caucasian, not someone who should be riding with them, but someone who should be riding in the car with the nick, with the nick, with the nick. You get what I'm saying. So what is the definition of nuance? Nuance is a subtle difference in shade of meaning, expression, or sound. It is also a, just simply a subtle distinction or variation right right so they don't think because you know sometimes people <coughs> who <coughs> excuse me who are fighting the battle who may have been the talented 10th or people who have been more educated may not think that the lay american black person the layman or woman would necessarily be able to have a nuance have nuance or be able to apply nuance to the fact that even though he was not fighting a black cause an american black cause it would still profit those to get behind it so they just say plessy versus ferguson As a matter of fact the whites didn't see him you know how back in the day back then they used to draw the accounts and draw the pictures of the accounts for the newspaper. Mm -hmm. They drew him they drew him as a black man uh, as a traditional black man. So when you see when you see this, but here we go. But we have the image of Plessy and we're going to show it to you. His name is Adolf. Matter of fact, it's Adolf Homer Plessy or Homer Adolf Plessy. Adolf, Adolf, which would mean that would be some kind of German situation there, but he comes from, this is happening in Louisiana, so there's some kind of French thing going on, right? Which we're going to get to that. Smash the share button. We are dropping information today. We have to make clarity so that as we move forward in this, we can get off the hamster wheel of emotion and that mindset of, Stop the electrical inertia by mastering our physical inertia. Get off the hamster wheel and then begin to take in facts, catch, analyze, shoot, take in facts to make your mind state, right? So this is either Homer, Adolf, Plessy, or Plessy, Adolf, uh, or either Adolf Plessy, Adolf Homer Plessy, or Homer Adolf Plessy. Okay, this is him. This is the guy. This is the guy. Now remember, he didn't want to get off because he said, I'm white. I'm not, you know, 
we we've often we often talk about it because there's no mystery or no no secret that we come from mixed lineage, right? And we've had some people in our family who have tried to do that. And, you know, we could have told them, we could have told them, hey, you know what? That won't be successful because all you have to do is just go through his story and you'll see that they'll be telling you to go back home. And that has happened, right? So this is Plessy. Homer Adolph Plessy is best known as the plaintiff in Plessy versus Ferguson, a landmark court case challenging Southern-based segregation. Okay, so he was born in New Orleans, and he is probably from the line of people who are what is called free people of color or Creoles. And, you know, they have octoroons and... Uh, pick the rooms and all kinds of all kinds of shades and if you're this and that and then you're that and you're this and you're, then you're this and that and then you're that and you closer to white and you may be white and hey hey come over here you look white you white you white you white and he said I am white so this was not he was not fighting the American black cause and you're gonna say how are you saying that crazy dude? You haven't been watching our program that long if you're asking that question. If you're asking that question, how, you know, we did a whole show on TFR Podcast Live, episode 97, about Cane River. We're going to get there, but that episode on the film review, Movies, Music, Culture, Politics, Society Podcast on the Film Review Live channel is up, episode 97. We break it down in nauseam. We break it down, we talk about the different types and we break down where it comes from, how it was created, and we're getting ready to drop something that you probably didn't know. You might've heard it, but you didn't know where it was, but we're gonna show you. So let's continue. 213-943-3358, smash your comments. Let's see, what is Akita saying? American blacks are, are indigenous to the land. Superior, I think not. Speaking of the guy who created the flag, right? And he says, oh snap, Adolf Homer Plessy. That's right, so here we go. Let, let's continue on here. Adolf, okay, here we go. Passengers. The Separate Car Act required African-Americans and whites to sit in segregated compartments on public carriers in Louisiana. However, under Louisiana law, Plessy was considered black. So Plessy was put on trial in state court for breaking the law by sitting in the wrong coach. At trial, Plessy argued that the law was unconstitutional, but the government disagreed. Judge Ferguson sided with the government. If convicted, Plessy would be sentenced to prison and charged a fine. Plessy asked the Louisiana Supreme Court to issue a writ of prohibition against Judge Ferguson to prevent him from enforcing the law. But the Louisiana Supreme Court found the law constitutional. So Plessy asked for a writ of error from the United States Supreme Court. The U.S. Supreme Court reviewed the case to determine whether the Louisiana law requiring racially segregated railway coaches was constitutional. Writing for the majority, Justice Brown concluded that the law didn't violate the 14th Amendment. The amendment was designed to make everyone equal under the law, but it wasn't intended to eliminate distinctions based on race. 
Let's stop right there. You see, you see, this is what the argument about the Supreme Court is, right? Except for they're no longer arguing arguing for American <laughs> black people anymore. They're not arguing. Oh God, that tongue, that tongue, boy. There is no longer an argument for American black people. Every, it has shifted. Every Everyone has taken, we talked about the set-asides and everyone has somehow got their piece of it by being called minority and somehow throwing us in there being minority. We talked about that between episodes one and 131 of Hashtag TFR Podcast Live OB. So you just go back there, get your notebooks. We, we're disseminating information. Listen, so they have done this continuously on and on. So that's what the Supreme Court situation is about. But we shouldn't have any fear because it has happened before. It will probably happen again because we didn't have our eye on the ball because they did not educate us in school about this because they really didn't want to educate us. That's another story for another time for another show. But the Supreme Court justice the law can look like it's clear cut, but depending on the type of mind, if you have a John Q. Esquire, a John Q. Crow Esquire mind state, then you will be able to interpolate, uh, interpret and then find a loophole in the language because the language is already duplicitous already. We've already talked about that. It is already duplicitous. It's two sides running. So you can find a loophole in between those two sides to say what, and this is what this judge did right here. Right? So let's continue on. Right? The majority thought that political equality of the races wasn't compromised by segregation. State laws creating racially segregated facilities thus didn't violate the Equal Protection Clause if those facilities were, quote, separate but equal, unquote. Laws requiring segregation could be legitimate exercises of state police power, provided they were reasonable and based on good faith rather than racist motives. Here, Louisiana was simply respecting the fact that the two races preferred remaining segregated. In other words, it wasn't the law's job or even within the law's power to force the races to mix. Now, remember, all of this desegregation really kicked off with Plessy versus Ferguson. Notice who the who he's going against. He's the plaintiff going against the judge. Did you notice that? It's the judge. He's going against the judge. Now look, all of this separate but equal, right? This is what this determined, right? Separate but equal. This, all of this desegregation, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Have you been duped? Have you been duped? Have you been hoodwinked? Have you been bamboozled? All of this desegregation, well, excuse me, all of this desegregation would have been fine because you could travel where you wanted and you would be free. 
It's somewhere where integration got involved, where, you know, it kind of destroyed economies and everything, but that's another show for another time. But all of this desegregation started with a man who wouldn't consider himself black, but thought himself white. All this kicked off because he wanted to sit with the white people because he thought the white people were better. He thought the white accommodations were better. The white facilities were better. How many of you walk into a nice new uh, facility that's created by whites in a white Caucasian uh, suburban neighborhood where the money was stolen from the blacks in the first place once the blacks started and they stole the money around here and created this suburb. How many of you come in there and don't realize that that's your money that's making that facility great? That it was your back, your ancestors' back, that that was built while they got that nice facility and that you shouldn't think of it so nice. You say, I'm going to just use this because this is this is uh, old to me, so I'm going to use this. Don't worry about that racist stuff you're talking about. But desegregation is in effect. I don't care about integration. I just want to uh, feel I'm going to use this facility because it's old to me. And then I'm going to find a way to get the money to bring it back so I can build facilities in my neighborhood that look just as nice. You see? So we're fighting this and it was over a man who wanted to be with white people because he thought he was white. How, how you feeling? How you feeling this morning? How you feeling this morning? Because remember, the people who were fighting it didn't think that you would have the nuance to say that this would be good for American black people when you found out that it was a man who thought that he was white and he wanted to pass, pass for white. Let, let's continue on. How are you feeling this morning? Did you even realize it? No, didn't. It's, it's when you realize certain things, it's like, oh man. The court also found that the 13th Amendment, which Plessy argued was violated by the Louisiana law, was a non-issue because the case had nothing to do with abolishing slavery or involuntary servitude. Therefore, the court affirmed the Louisiana Supreme Court's decision. In a powerful dissent, Justice Harlan found that the Louisiana law was discriminatory because it sought to keep black passengers from coaches reserved for white passengers. Harlan stated that the law was clearly intended to keep black people away from white people. This was a violation of civil rights. Harlan said the Constitution is colorblind, and so a state couldn't constitutionally deprive citizens of their rights based on their races. For Justice Harlan, the majority's decision was like the Supreme Court's infamous self-inflicted wound in Dred Scott versus Stanford. The black race has, for more than a century, been regarded as beings of an inferior order, and they have no rights which the white man is bound to respect. Dred Scott was born into slavery in Virginia. His long struggle for freedom was one link in a chain of events that would eventually free more than four million enslaved people. The Scots based their United States Supreme Court case on their residence in lands that were part of the Old Northwest Territory and the 1820 Missouri Compromise, territory where slavery was prohibited. In their landmark 1857 decision, the court declared that Congress had acted unconstitutionally in passing those enactments. Consider the extent of that. 
The United States Supreme Court declared that the freedom provision under the Northwest Ordinance was unconstitutional. The Scots would have no basis to claim their freedom under that. Further, on a technical matter, in order to get a case into federal court, you had to be a citizen of one of the states. The court, in a 7-2 decision, declared that the Scots were not citizens of any state. Not only did Dredd and Harriet lose, their slavery be maintained. The secondary dimension of this was that no persons of color, free persons of color as well, were deemed to have any rights that white men were deemed to respect. People. All right. So we had to go back. We had to go from 1890 to go back to 1857, right? 1857. We talked about John Brown and Harper's Ferry, right? All of this is happening around the same time, which is the initiate, the spark that kicks off the Civil War. After the Civil War, 1865 through 1870, 13th, 14th, 15th Amendment, 1877, back behind closed door. Might as well be a back door deal. Probably. <laughs> That's simple. But anyway, look. <laughs> so you got to have a little humor with this. 1877 found a way to say that black people are inferior because they couldn't keep the economic base with blacks running around building their own stuff. So they had to show that, say that they're inferior and why are they using businesses? Why do they have their own businesses? This man had his own business and in the end, he didn't no longer have his own business. But that's for you to research on your own thing. He came in because he said, I am white. And they said, no, you are not Octoroon. You are not white. <laughs> Okay, so let's go on with this, right? Did you know that all I of this gotta, kicked I'm off? I'm fighting for my right to be right. My right to be white. <laughs> I'm fighting for my right to be white. <laughs> Did you know, people, that that was what this all kicked off for? But no worries because it has kind of helped out or didn't it you know we had booming businesses have you watched um fargo 4 did you see what black folks were doing how industrious i mean just it's in the film it's in the movies it's in the series you just have to see it and be able to decipher it when it comes and then research after you see it here we go at the time of the plessy decision actually believed that it was possible to measure the amount of black blood a person had in their body. The plaintiff in the Plessy case, Homer Adolph Plessy, was actually described as seven-eighths white. Homer Plessy was arrested after he refused to give up his seat in defiance of the Separate Car Act of 1890. Plessy versus Ferguson is considered an important case because it established the doctrine of separate but equal that allowed states for the first time to legally segregate the races. One of the reasons that Homer Plessy brought suit was because... I have to pause that and back that up just a little bit so that you can see this. You see, I put in Homer Plessy, right, because 
if you notice, you can see the image of the black man drinking from the black only water fountain, right? They, mm -hmm. this is how they do it. They show you a traditional dark-skinned black man and that goes into your mind and back into your psyche to think that Homer Plessy looked like him. And I have to break that conditioning in people's minds and recalculate the mind so you can get off the hamster wheel. The first thing that they show you to make you emotional is they show you a dark-skinned black man while he's talking about Adolf Homer Plessy. Homer Adolf Plessy. Right. An octoroon. I mean, he he wanted to be an octoroon. He wanted to be white. He wanted to sit with the white. They show you this, but then they show you the black man. All of these laws came down about segregation because it was only in one place, but then it spread across the South because, you know, the Southerners, you know, the Southern uh, Confederates and the Southern segregationists and all that, when they see a good idea, they run with it. They say, yeah, that's good right there. Let's spread that over here. So from this guy, our opinion, our observation, from this guy wanting to sit in a all white car because he was white, he thought. All of these laws spread through the South. This probably would have been years before they went through and had spread it all the way through the South. But this spread and that opened up separate but equal in the South. And they show you, purposely show you a black man, a dark skinned black man instead of showing you Homer ate all Plessy. You have to be able to get off the hamster wheel, that emotional hamster wheel, because it is a brainwashing they are putting on you. And because people always say Plessy versus Ferguson, Plessy versus Ferguson, but they never show you Plessy. Well, we showed you Plessy today. How do you feel? How does it feel? <laughs> to legally segregate the races. One of the reasons that Homer Plessy brought suit was because of the difficulty in enforcing segregation in states like Louisiana. Louisiana had a large mixed race population, making it very difficult to determine where the line could be drawn in terms of separating the races. When I hear the term free people of color, actually a whole lot comes to mind. It depends on what region of the world you're in, what region of the country you're in, um, and how it's defined. If we're focusing on Louisiana, it is actually quite complicated because in Louisiana you had free people of color and you had Creoles of color who were usually free. Not all the time free, but usually free. And there's a ethnic distinction between the two groups. And free people of color or Legion de Couleur Libre, whichever term we use, uh, was often used to indicate people who had um, European and African ancestry uh, and who occupied sometimes legally, sometimes culturally, um, a sort of liminal status, but a status that was different from other people who, uh, other people of African descent who might have been free. They were Catholic. They helped establish the ca uh, Catholicism here. Uh, so there's a broader answer in New Orleans, in Louisiana. Uh, there's an idea that free people of color could fill 
more positions and occupy more roles in society, um, in real estate, in law, in professions, in um, business, um, and even on a pretty large scale in slave owning, and even on a pretty large scale in slave owning, and even on a pretty large scale in slave owning. Hold up, hold the horses. Whoa, 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 whoa. Did you say that the Optimum, excuse me, the free people of color, the Creoles, which is a French based, Spanish based, but mostly French based situation in Louisiana, that these, the Creoles, Homer Adolf Plessy, who he comes from, I believe. You know, you can research that on your own. Just our opinion, observation, my opinion. He comes from that. He's in Louisiana. They own slaves. Oops, whoops, oops. Stop the press. Wait a minute. Ah, ah. Wait a minute. And this man kicked off when when he he went. Let, let me tell you what happened to. Homer Adolf Plessy. He goes and after he loses, he goes and he pays his $25 fine. Then he lives quietly. He was a, a shoemaker, but he ended up just being a warehouse man and some other odd jobs for the rest of his life. Because he lost his business because he wanted to sit up because he said, I'm white and you got your, we as a mass group of people of America Blacks got head, water holes and bashed in the head over this whole concept of desegregation that originated with a man who said, I am octoroon, I am 7 eighth white, I'm not black, I am white, and I can say what I want how do you feel? Maybe that's because that's why they don't tell you because they think that you wouldn't be able to take the nuance and say maybe those bashing of the head and the water hoses was good to get desegregation and somehow turn into a to uh, uh, turn from desegregation into integration and somehow we lost all the businesses and all that anyway, wanting to go somewhere thinking that it looks better someplace else, just like Plessy did originally. See how energy rose? See how energy rose? He did it because he thought it was better. And then in the end, American black people who aren't Creole, aren't Octoroon, aren't free people of color, think they're white facilities and standards are better. See how energy rolls? How do you feel? What you got to say? You know, I'm thinking of a particular set of people now and how even now in this day and age, like over the last, not since I was in my teens or just before my teens, I had started to recognize black people who were taking on this, um, this slant if you will I didn't know how to articulate it back then but it was like they were slanted towards white people now let me be clear about something I said this before having a love and an affinity and an affection 
or your own people is not racist, is not um, being, uh, it's not coming against another people having affection and love for your own. But for some reason, every other ethnic group in the world can do that and never be questioned about it. Um, whenever we do that without the mention of we could be doing that without the mention of white people at all and they will have a problem with it because they see it as a threat whenever we unify because they because so much effort has been put into us being divided so back to what I was saying you know I recognize that there was these sets of black people that were always trying to assimilate with white people they didn't tend to gravitate towards you know those of us who were i mean i i didn't even ever really consider that an issue until i went into the parochial school system when i went into the lutheran school system and by the way that's uh supposed to be christian with christian values right so the parents who had their children there should have been instilling those kinds of values into them yet there was still a distinction between the black children that were there who were in the minority in that environment and their parents. And, you know, me and my parent, who was was basically down to earth and in touch with our black, our blackness, our heritage. So, you know, it's always been that. But what they don't realize is it does not matter you can be pulling in the six figures and the seven figures and they're going to rub shoulders with you. They feel more comfortable rubbing shoulders with you because you make that kind of money. So odds are you're not going to break into their house and steal their stuff. Odds are you're not going to do that. However, when the rubber meets the road, they're still going to, if you, if they were posed with the question, if you had to face giving up all that you have acquired over your lifetime, all that you built for the sake of making sure that there is fair distribution of and, and rightly deserving distribution to American blacks, would you be willing to part ways or would you be willing to downgrade um, in order to make that happen? Their answer is going to be no. Know why? Because if it were not going to be no, then they would, would live in more of a more modest situation and be more uh, accommodating um, to that type of situation, if you will. So, you know, some people say, oh, well, that sounds preposterous. That's ridiculous. That's the that's the the uh, what you're going to get if you pose that idea. But, you know, I encourage some of y'all, why don't you try it? Those of you who are really, really good friends um, with, you know, some of our white or Caucasian people in the country that you really good friends with them. I, I just asked the question, hypothetically, if they had to part ways with some of their their assets and some of their savings and some of their the things that they do and had to take a downgrade in living a little bit. Would they be willing to do it in order to make sure that American blacks got their just due? And see what their answer is going to be. See, they're going to be well, up, 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 up. It's going to be either a bunch of stuttering, or why would you want me to do that? Or that's just ridiculous. Try it. Try it. You know, 
Miscegenation. Miscegenation, right? What does this is so we've been weaving and taking this. You, you should have put your seat belts on because I'm getting ready to drop something on you that most people don't think of. Most people think of the white black issue. But there's a octoroon black issue. There's a free people of color issue and American black issue. There is a Creole and American black issue. Someone owned slaves in Louisiana and they weren't just French or Spanish. Uh-oh. Someone uh -oh. owned slaves in Louisiana and they weren't just French or Spanish Caucasians. They were people who went around thinking that they were Catholic, Octoroon, white, free people of color, Creole. Someone other than just someone other than just the United States government federal who, who went against their word got to pay. The state and local uh -oh. governments have to pay. The municipalities have to pay. You really need to go watch episode 97 of Hashtag TFR Podcast Live. The Film Review Movies, Music, Culture, Politics, Society Podcast. In that episode, we break down everything and we talk about it. But people need to pay. And in episode 110 of Hashtag TFR Podcast Live, on the Film Review Life channel. Hashtag TFR Podcast Life episode 110. We show you the breeding farm. We go and break down a film that talks about the breeding farm shot in Louisiana. Representing the Annabellum South. Viewer discretion is advised. Because there were breeding farms in Louisiana. There were more than Spanish and French in the United States government, the local governments, the municipalities owning and selling slaves. Some more people got to pay. They might be broke now. Just like we talk about the Africans. We talk about the Africans, the Igbo, who were selling bodies. They're lucky that only 388,000 actually landed here. They're lucky that only 388,000 only landed here on the shores of the United States. But they got to pay too. There's still slavery going on. We showed you that in 
a previous episode of Hashtag TFR Podcast Live OB. Slavery still in Nigeria. Right now. Oh, you know, God, you know, hey, go ahead. Go ahead. Let me pull you. Um, there is a pipeline of offense, both morally uh, and spiritually, um, lawfully, because man stealing uh, was a biblical principle and it was against biblical law. And so it's against universal law, man stealing. So the people, the Igbo who stole, who sold bodies into slavery was selling what they stole. You can't, the people were citizens of the land, right? Of the region, the land. So when you went to sell them, you stole them from their land amongst your own people. You stole them from the land and you sold them. So the people who bought them now in law, how does that happen? When you in law, what do we call that? When something is stolen by somebody and then sold to another party, that other party is charged with receiving stolen goods. So there is a price both lawfully there's a price spiritually both now and the hereafter and there is a cost uh, morally that you have to pay for that crime and no matter how many bills of law you try to pass see this is what time it is right now the reason why everything is coming to such a heightened place the reason why everything is coming to a pinnacle the reason why everything is it's such an accelerated and such a uh, intense place right now is because it's going to be a face-off of righteousness versus unrighteousness both uh, in the spiritual realm and the natural realm in the law realm in the earth realm there is a reckoning that must take place and no matter how many bills and laws and slipping and sliding and snaking that's done it's not going to be avoided it can't be because the universe is lining itself up. The universe is lining itself up. The universe has resources. The universe has power that was created by God. So when those things start to fall, when things start to, to go awry for certain people and in a way of blessing for others, see y'all, 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 y'all not getting this. There's about to be such a, a turn such a paradigm shift is going to be upside down because the people who have been sold, the people who have been mistreated, the people who have been neglected, you know, I don't care what nobody has to say that has an opinion that differs from what I'm saying right now as far as people that are outside the uh, American black uh, diaspora. I don't, I don't, I don't care. I'm not concerned with what you think. I can't, I'm not concerned with the fact that you think that we ought to be grateful because we're in the land of opportunity. It's an opportunity for you. And the only reason why it's an opportunity for you is to keep on slapping us. That's the only reason why it's a land of opportunity for the immigrant. Now, I don't care about the, the, the opinion of the immigrant on what I'm saying. There's going to be a shift because there's some facts 
that are hidden in all of this about who we really are. I'm not going to cover it right now, but because of who we really are, the just do, the just do of the chosen is coming this way. And those people who have held us in bondage all this time and have, have, have gotten us immersed in industry and used our intellectual property, used our talents, used our gifts to, to capitalize on and only pay us a fraction of what they're making off of us. That is going to end because the tables are going to turn. The, 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 the money system is going to turn and everything, the favor is going to turn. And it's, 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 it just goes with the territory. It's nothing you're going to be able to do to stop it. Because once you start implementing wicked imaginations and wicked plans to try to head it off, you're going to find yourself, you're going to find the earth opening up. Like it was in the Old Testament, it's already doing that. With earthquakes and fires and all kinds of stuff, the earth is going to start swallowing folk up again. The earth is going to start doing it. The whole atmosphere is about to shift. And the favorite, this is why the American black person has got to understand where you are and, and, and get in a place of discomfort and renounce certain things and put it away from you and get in a place of receivership. Because if you're going to be standing on the other side when it's time to receive, then that's where you're going to stay. You're not going to be able to jump the line. You're not going to be able to just play hopscotch and go back and forth and then wait to the very end. And then once again, now you being like the people you're trying to be like. Let things be built on our backs. Let the work be done on our backs. And then when we get to the way, the place of receivership, then you're going to jump the line or jump in the line and then get partake of the spoils. Not going to happen. It's not going to happen, but there is a turn coming. But it's going to take us putting our minds in this work, putting the sweat in the game, putting the blood in the game, and not walking in fear, not uh, being distracted, being focused, and going forth in the power of God to get this done. We have to get it done. You can't sit on the sidelines and not do nothing and just talk about it. Oh, yeah, well, you know, AI is coming. Oh, well, you know, this government just something else. Oh, you know they're not going to do this. Oh, you know they passed this law. Oh, you know what they were saying, right? You know what they're saying about this, right? You know what they're saying about that, right? But you just sitting there. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know if you're sitting there with a liquor bottle. I don't know. And sitting there smoking a joint. I don't know. Just sitting there talking and conversing and not making a plan to do anything. And even on a pretty large scale in slave owning. The doctrine of separate but equal that grew out of Plessy versus Ferguson became the standard for all segregation ordinances after that decision. Despite the Supreme Court's ruling in Plessy versus Ferguson in 1896, the first municipality or city to pass a residential segregation ordinance was Baltimore, Maryland in 1910. Why does Baltimore, Maryland pass an anti-segregation law? because they were another place that had a large breeding farm that were breeding black people. They were breeding black people after the transatlantic slave trade. 
was outlawed. So they had to keep breeding. So Louisiana was large, so was Baltimore. And they had to do it because there were a lot of octoroons. Let's continue on, let's continue on. Supreme Court's landmark ruling in Brown versus Board of Education in 1954 ultimately was the death knell for the doctrine of separate but equal established in Plessy versus Ferguson. There are a couple of movies, there are many movies, but there are movies out that discuss what we're talking about here, right? There's a movie called Buck and the Preacher, right? Buck and the Preacher, starring Sidney Poitier and Harry Belafonte. <clears throat> I would say, you need to see this film, right? There's a scene, in Buck and the Preacher, there's a scene, these are people who, after the Emancipation Proclamation, they went out west. Now see, there's a whole nother history of American blacks going out west. The original term cowboy, if you see the Magnificent Seven, Denzel Washington's version, when he walks into the bar, they hide it in film. But being it, it's a black director, black writer, they come out and tell you the truth. They hide in the film. When he walks into the bar, all of the people have on cowboy hats, cowboy boots, chaps, guns. The guy, one of the guys says, what's this cowboy doing here? Everybody looks like quote-unquote cowboys, but you have to listen. Cowboy was a term for American blacks who were in the West male. Cowboy. Of course, it's been co-opted since then, right? And made to be uh, 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 Jesse James and his brother Cowboys and, you know, Wild Bill Hickok and all, all the rest of them. It's been co-opted like everything else. But originally, cowboy was a term for a boy. You know, never an uncle, never a man, just a boy. You get it. But anyway, so Buck and the Preacher. You have to see this movie. Harry Belafonte and Sidney Poitier. There's a scene in it where the ex-union officer they called themselves the, they, they're called the night riders black body collectors the leader says the negroes have to return to continue working as blacksmiths house servants because why because they as whites they never did it they come back from the civil war fighting on the union side find that all the slaves they had are gone and they have to go back out and try to bring them back. So they go out and do raids and things to break up the people who are in their caravans headed out west for a better life, headed to Colorado, right? Give Sydney and Harry credit. Two immigrants in that came to the United States telling the story of American blacks 
my opinion, hoping that one day American Blacks could pick up the mantle and continue and forge ahead in telling the true history of American Blacks. Two immigrants, when immigrants were allies, but on the other hand, they did get paid. They did make money in spaces where it should have been American black actors, but they pushed the signal and they moved us forward when we couldn't do. They let them in where they wouldn't let us in. Kind of like what they're doing with the immigrants today. Cicely Tyson too. We think of Cicely Tyson as American black, but she is also not American black lineage. But and which gets us, which gets us to this. Let me let me run this down to you real quick. That's why Kamala Harris is so is so problematic. We're talking about miscegenation, miscegenation, right? We are victims of miscegenation because automatically the movement that was started, started off of a man who wanted to be white, who wanted to sit in a white car. He paid his fine and went, in, and went off and lost his business and went off just working hot jobs as the story goes. But as it went forward, the energy was there and people wanted to be in the white space too. Thus, instead of segregation, desegregation, where we could walk freely where we wanted, shop where we wanted, we wanted integration where we could be right next door. Instead of building up the neighborhoods, desegregation meant that money should be coming into the black neighborhood to build it up, to make it equal to the white neighborhood in a desegregation, segregation legislation. Do you understand what I'm saying there, right? She is a is a problematic figure is because of the fact that we are looking at her and we are seeing ourselves at her because well, I'm not. My sister's not. My wife's not. We're looking at her. I'm just going to say we as the collective whole. We are looking <laughs> at her and saying that we want to be like her. She is of a, a lighter skin tone and she is not. I'm, unfortunately, I have seen. I come from a family of mixed lineage. I've had Lena Horn in my family, Gina Lola, Brigida. Halle Berry's in my family, and then I've had Angela Bass's, etc., uh, Gabrielle Unions, etc., in my family. And she does not measure up, she is not pretty. You are looking at something that is an illusion, and this miscegenation, we are a victim of it instead of being masters of it to move forward with it. I'm going to leave that right there. Put a pen right there on that. Another show for another time. We are victims of it and we are so much victims of it and I blame two people in particular. I blame pop stars. Popular culture stars. I blame Prince and I blame Michael Jackson. I know you'll say, oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Prince was about in my black or white, in my straight or gay, controversy. He was about androgyny, 
but he was also about pushing and promoting those light-skinned women, and he did not get to the dark-skinned women until he was a little bit past his potency, and he came into the 90s, 2000. He had Michelle and Deglo Cello and some others, but he did not get to that black until later. Michael Jackson was the living epitome of wanting to be, though he was conscious, his movements early on was to be in that white space. We cannot deny that. And that is our opinion, my opinion, my look at it, my, my opinion, my observation on it. We are victims of this misogynation when we should be masters of it and be moving forward with it. Put a pen in that. So when we look at what's happening, I hope you smash the share button and smash the like button on this because we are opening up something. When you look at it, when you see where the movement came from and you see how we are so fast to only care about people who are lighter skinned. We got that with Obama. How'd that do us for eight years? I was looking at him as a black man, not as, because if we come from mixed lens, we see all colors, so we accept all colors as black, right? Just like the segregationists uh, realized that they were black. The only people who didn't know they were, weren't black were the Creoles and the free people of color. They got to pay. But that's another story. <laughs> I just got to chuckle. I just had to chuckle for a minute. Look. So we're looking at this situation and you're saying, what is going on? We did that with Obama. How did that happen? Eight years. Now, they he was half immigrant, half American, Caucasian. Now they bring us an immigrant that isn't American in either way. But she's claiming that she's black, black, but she's not American black, which makes her problematic, which is part of this miscegenation. In this mixed culture that we look and see as better, instead of just saying, oh, that's just one of the damages that happened because of slavery and the mixing of the forced mixing of people. Watch episode 110, watch episode 97. So those two people to me, going back to Prince and Michael Jackson. They pushed this through the 80s and their musical sound still pushes today. We need a new sound in the music because everything that we hear is either Michael Jackson or Prince. We need a new sound pushing through and that shows how they were good, but it was it's pervasive. Let's continue on. So this is a, a scene from scenes from Buck and the Preacher. Here we go. where he is is five hundred dollars to you blessings on this house i am the reverend willis oaks rutherford of the high and low order of the holiness persuasion church will you get him out of my house i got my reputation to think of <laughs> come buck 
Knight Riders hit Pappy Whitlock and his people here. Do we? I already told you that the former Union soldiers were the Knight Riders coming in trying to force the blacks back to be in servitude doing what they were doing before. So you see, this is about economics and when you were the economic engine and then they can't get you back, then they don't want you anymore. Let's continue on. Mm -hmm. If they can't get you, they will kill you. Right, and this is what this is. And so you have to wake up and see what this is. All the way from 1877, we talked about it. Go back and listen to episodes 28, 29, 30, 31, and now 32. Here we go. Weeks ago, three days later, they burned out a wagon train supposed to meet me at Sulphur Flat. That here. Then they got the Deep Smith County people at the water hole this side of Claytown. They're heading this way. You got to move out tonight. So I There's a movie that came out in 1982. It's called Cane River, and it deals with the free people of color in contemporary times where it's kind of like a Romeo and Juliet relationship. You know Romeo and Juliet, right? And the woman is from the people who would be the enslaved class, and the man is from those who were Creole, free people, uh, free people of color, right? Cane River, right? On episode 97, we go in depth about Cane River, right? We talk about Louisiana. We break it down to people of Louisiana, Cane River, called people of color, free people of color of or Creoles, right? So make sure that you make sure that you do that. Make sure that you check out that film, Cane River. But so this, so I gave you context of what we're getting ready to show. And now we're going to show it to you, show you the trailer. Kane River, also a person who was also a contributor to Getting It Made was Richard Pryor. This is one of his mm. early forays in being a movie producer. Wow. He's one of many. It was a consortium of people who came together who were American black to tell stories that usually weren't on film, right? But unfortunately, the person who wrote it and directed it, he died unexpectedly in the film, buried until just last year. It was brought up, remastered and everything, and now it's out there for people to see. And so this is what you're getting ready to see, the trailer, and it talks. Oh, I'm just gonna play the trailer. Let the trailer speak for itself. Here we go. Are you from around here? Well, in a way, yes. I've been away, but I'm originally from Cane River. Wait, what are you? Some type of a horse trainer or something? <laughs> no, I'm not a horse trainer. I'm a poet. A writer. I always picture a poet sitting at a table getting drunk and dying of consumption. <laughs> well, they're not exactly great, Marie. You know something, Peter? Yeah. You're different. <laughs> when it debuted in 1982, Cane River was already a rarity. A drama by an independent black filmmaker, financed by black patrons, and dealing with race issues untouched by mainstream cinema, says the New York Times. I want to make a 
make you take a bath. Been riding that old smelly horse, and God only knows what else. And I don't want you to see him again, Maria. Now, do you hear me? Why, Mommy? He's a nice guy. Because he's a matoire, that's why. Now, what does being a damn matoire have to do with it? Your great-grandmother owned the Melrose Plantation, right? An African woman who owned slaves. Because we don't know our own history. We don't know the value of land or the importance of owning it. And we're letting it slip right through our hands. Rare and Fantastic. It's raw subject matter, echoes in films of the present day, says RogerEbert.com. Cane River is a work of visionary artistry and progressive imagination, says the New Yorker. Nearly four decades after it was made, Cane River is available to audiences for the first time in an all-new, loving restoration. So what's what's important about Cane River is that is, I'm just gonna call it this way, my own words, a stronghold of Creole, free people of color, that's their area, that's where they live, that's where they have the oldest Catholic church built right there in Louisiana in Cane River country. Creole. Free people of color own slaves. This misogynist, not, not misogyny, excuse me, but mis the misogynistic. The misogynistic, yes, very misogynistic because of what's going on. But what's happening with what's going on with this love of mix, instead of saying that we are all black is the problem and it initiates in 1890 with a with a car with a train car where a man said I'm white who his people probably owned slaves who weren't octoroon right so people what what more can I say Share this, spread this with the people, right? Share this with the people, let people know because it's just something more to go into your memory banks, to go into your brain so you can get off the hamster wheel of emotion and realize where things actually come from and why they don't tell you things. If they don't tell you things, aren't they lying to you? Yeah, they lying to you. We got, uh, let me see how many minutes we got. We got six minutes. Go ahead and close out. You know, um, I found it interesting about, um, what's the guy's name, Celacy? That was his last name. Am I saying that right? Um, that he, after he lost his case regarding his right to sit in that, in the white section of the train or whatever, it says that he went on, he faded off into the sunset. He faded into obscurity. And that is that that made me think, you know, so because it was just because it was determined that you were black and not the white person you thought you were, you didn't have anything else great to contribute. 
you went on and faded off into obscurity because you didn't think that you had anything else to I mean the fact that you stood for that and you stood for something even though it was wrong you stood for it and you lost so you earned a place in history we're talking about this man now so he earned a place in history by having stood for what he believed even if it didn't profit him right but he faded off into obscurity and you know as a man thinketh in his heart so is he so whatever you think about yourself and it was a shame that because he it was determined that he was a black man that he didn't think much of himself and so he became what he thought of himself which was nothing faded off into obscurity not knowing that he earned a place in history as at least an honorable mention everybody don't get that far it was a shame if he had to continue to move forward and continue to go inside of himself to know what his gifts are he could have recovered from that and kept on operating in a high level of esteem he felt but because he wasn't black and because he wasn't white he didn't have any esteem and that's a shame and you see people like that right now they don't they don't think if they can't rub shoulders with what they believe is the fluent or whatever um, then they don't think that they're anybody and it shows when you speak to them about it you know and that's I mean that's a shame I mean, why would you want to be why would you want to integrate when we're so great full blood why would you want to integrate when we're so great in and of ourselves why would you want to integrate well these are just our opinions and observations because I know that Kane River and all that, they had plenty of family members that go on. So these are our opinions and observations on the situation, right? This is what it is. This is what the history says, and it is his story. It could be wrong. Correct us, you know, call up. But anyway, look, you have been watching another robust episode, episode 30 two of hashtag tfr podcast live ob we'd like to thank all the people who were listening to us on periscope watching us on periscope on vimeo on fb and on the film review live channel on youtube make sure you go there subscribe 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 push the like button like button like button comment even after the video is over Spread these videos, episodes one through 32 out to your people. A lot of information to help you get off of that hamster wheel. Stop that electrical inertia of the hamster wheel. Get you over, get you set to get facts to create your mind state and get out of that mindset that they have you walking like a zombie in, people. So listen, we will see you tomorrow on another episode, because you know we come on Monday through Friday, 9.30 a.m. Uh, Pacific, 12.30 p.m. Eastern, on all of those formats we told you, and we will see you tomorrow on another great episode, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, find it, let me find it, of TFR Podcast Live, OB Observations by Crazy D with my special guest host, Tanya M. Congress.
There's something about Germany why I made a curator's pick of the Hollywood Fringe. Community, unity, 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 unity